This time on episode 345 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll be discussing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 12, The End is at Hand, and Season 7, Episode 13, What We're Fighting For, the two-part finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll also be discussing weekly Marvel news and your feedback. I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director S.P. I'm Agent Haley. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, August 13th, 2020. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Quantum Realm wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy International Left-Handers Day. Woohoo! Anybody here left-handed? My cousin is. My girlfriend is. My spouse is. I shot left-handed in hockey, but it's a common thing with right-handers because it's the right wrist that's on top so you can get a better wrist shot off but no i'm right-handed my grandfather was left-handed infamously so matter of fact it was quite the joke throughout the family (laughs) my aunt is uh left-handed and she was of the generation where they would like tape your hand to your desk and force you to write with your right hand yeah not good nope not good at all this day is international by the way and it was started in the united kingdom in 1992 so it's been going strong for about 30 years 1992 was almost 30 years ago. Oh, no. Oh, man. (laughs) Yep. I don't like it. All right. With that depressing thought, we'll move on with the rest of the show. Sorry, ladies. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One last time. The multiple Marvel small screen series and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of seven quality years. If you'd like to talk to us about the seven quality years, you can visit our website at www.legendsofshield.com. You can always leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can check us out on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see our faces on YouTube, youtube.com slash geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We definitely had the season and the series finale last night. We've all watched it and we all can't wait to get into it. This is going to be a little bit of an extended episode, so let's get right to it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
season seven finale. It was a two-parter. The end is at hand. And what we're fighting for was broadcast on ABC August 12th, 2020 and put on Hulu on August 13th, 2020. Lauren, who directed the first episode? The first episode was directed by Chris Cheremy. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. I hope I did. Who has two directing credits starting in 2016. First, we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot, and then we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But they also were the producer for 74 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and co-producer for 42. The episode was written by another familiar face, Jeffrey Bell, who has 11 writing credits starting in 1994, including five of The X-Files, 13 of Angel, four of Alias, three of The Protectors, one of Spartacus, and 12 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Jeffrey Bell's been with the show since it started. Michelle, who was the creative team behind the finale? The finale's title is What We're Fighting For. It was directed by Kevin Tankeron, who has 30 directing credits starting in 2004, including 18 Mortal Kombat Legacy, one Supergirl, uh, one episode of 12 Monkeys, two Prison Break, two Legends of Tomorrow, three Arrow, and three of The Flash. He's one of the very few directors that did four of the core Arrowverse shows. And 16 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was written by Jed Whedon, who has 10 writing credits starting in 2004, including three episodes of Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog, Seven Dollhouse, one Spartacus, Gaza the Arena, two Spartacus, and 22 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's also the co-creator. He's also the co-showrunner with his wife, Marissa Tankeron. I want to point out that Kevin Tankeron is usually an action-heavy director, so I'm glad they brought him in for the finale. And we'll talk about the fights in the finale later, so it was good to have him on board for that. Since we have two titles, we're going to align them to the themes of the show, and we're going to take them one at a time. The end is at hand. Haley, you are the queen of this. What does the title mean for the theme? Well, because at the end of the episode, the end is at hand, we get to see hand again. So the end is at hand. And Garrett was ended by hand, too. So there you go. (laughs) And what we're fighting for, we fought for two more episodes or two more seasons of this show and we got it. And this is the finale we fought for. It was indeed. I'm just going to jump straight to the chase. Lauren, you watched it. You tweeted it live. What is your feeling on the show? Considering that I started crying about 15 to 20 minutes into the first episode, that should tell you something. It was really good. Just for the most part, all the tears I was crying was just like overwhelmed with positive feeling. At the very end, when they show up again for the, their epilogue and we get to see everybody's happy ending. So usually when I cry in a season finale or a series finale, it's because like they've killed characters or just whatever. But with this, it was just, they did it. They did it. They were magnificent. Michelle, how'd you like the finale? They stuck the landing and I was surprised they stuck the landing with Colson still being alive, but I like the way they handled Colson at the end so i'm satisfied they in two hours really stuck the landing i'm surprised i'm happy i'm happy that i'm surprised 
I tweeted that very thing. They stuck the landing with periods in it and sent it to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Lauren could see it if she could actually read through her tears at the time. So that yeah. <laughs> was my initial thoughts as well. Now, Haley, I have to apologize for the world here because you had to wait at least a couple of hours because, well, you know, Mountain and Pacific Time <laughs> don't get to see the episode right away. Did you have to shut off Twitter? So I, I haven't actually looked at Twitter in like two years. Okay, that makes me so happy because I tweeted, Haley was right, then panicked after I hit send because I was like, Haley's going to see, she's going to be spoiled. So I deleted the tweet. There are so many things I could be right about. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I was right about that thing. I liked it a whole bunch. I love when things prove me right. And actually, I had to wait more than a few hours because I don't watch it until it shows up on Hulu the next day. So I didn't see it until like five hours ago. So good. It was good to watch on Hulu for me. I get the without ads. So you have to watch an ad before and after, but no ads during. So you didn't Mm -hmm. have those commercial breaks. Last night, I watched it live and I used the commercial breaks to do things like go to the restroom, get a snack, that sort of thing. And also keep checking Twitter to make sure that Lauren was doing okay. (laughs) It was good to have the commercial breaks in last night, but I do like how Hulu does it where you don't have to watch the commercials. You know, I'm getting old and commercials are kind of, we'll talk about commercials in a little bit because there was one in particular that uh, Lauren brought up. Yeah. Plus it's coming into election season, which means I'm not going to be, I'm so glad this got done before it really ramped up. Because this is kind of the last show I'm watching live. I'm getting it on YouTube, too. Yeah, I could just record stuff and fast forward through the commercials. I'm in a battleground state for the presidency and for a Senate seat. It's rough. I've thumbed down every single political ad on YouTube. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I don't want to see it. So I thumb down. That's fair. I don't even care if it's a candidate I like. I don't want to see the ad. So anyway, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. I enjoyed the two hour finale. I'm glad we had the two hours back to back, especially how they spliced in between the two with Fitz coming back in and and how they had to leave it right away. And we'll get to that in a second, but I did enjoy it quite heavily. And before the episode aired, I actually sent out a tweet earlier yesterday and i said memorable and not necessarily my top favorite but memorable series finales to me include star trek next generation stargate sg1 the two that we got which i've been bringing up the similarities to this show battlestar galactica i know it's a little controversial i enjoyed it mash family ties cheers friends seinfeld just because it's iconic not because i enjoyed it but it's definitely iconic justified and burn notice because burn notice or just the popcorn show it was, it stuck the landing hard. Actually, I was expecting it not to at all, and it stuck the landing. I was like, oh, that's cool. So those were some of the memorable. So I was going into it, and maybe I shot myself in the foot by doing this, but I was going into it expecting it to be like at those levels, and yeah, it did. So it could have disappointed me greatly, and I'm glad it didn't. The end is at hand. We talked about the hand thing. I do like the Victoria hand part. Haley, I don't think that was laughable at all. I think that was a spot on double entendre for the title there. Yeah. 
there's so much that happened in this episode. There's so much that happened in both episodes, but it starts off with Sousa, ever the straight man, going, ooh, are those space lasers? They're lasers in space. (laughs) Everything about Sousa, Sousa Daisy, Sousa and Mac, just, again, I'm so glad. And it's not just because I find the actor incredibly attractive. I really like the character, and I thought he was a great addition, like a great last-minute addition to the team. Yeah. Now, other than some possible wire work issues, the CGI was just spot on. It was movie quality for these two episodes. They saved the budget. <laughs> I was thinking that when, particularly when we see the Chronicom ship on the inside, there was that one kind of landing bay type shot where the Zephyr got pulled in. And I was just, I think right then I tweeted something about the uh, SFX team. It was just so good, all of it. Yeah, it was great. I do remember you tweeting. It was about that scene that it came in. Although from an engineering perspective, once you figure out spaceships and everything, you're like, really, do you need a landing bay that that's big? Look, it's all about first impressions. It depends on how big the stuff they usually land in there is. I was thinking that too. Say you get like a Star Wars style Corvette or something in there. It needs to be a bigger bay. Yeah, got it. So Haley, I was going to throw this on to you. So the chroma bombs, okay. as Colson called them, they look like tesseracts to me. But yeah, how'd you <laughs> think of that whole situation with all, well Garrett running around the lighthouse trying to finally blow it up? Well, as far as it like looking like the tesseracts, like they want to kind of make it look like the same spacey other race technologies they've had before. Um, like it kind of fits in the universe. So that could be why it looked like that. Sorry to break it. I just had a thought. So in biology, there is a term. I think it's crabification, but it's because the body plan of crabs has evolved several times separately in kind of the exact same way. What if it's like that with space bomb technology <laughs> or space energy technology, Space energy technology? Yeah. Or what if the Chronicoms just stole it? I could see that. Yeah. Especially since Loki's got it. They've studied a lot of cultures for a long time. They're just like, ooh, we like this one. Yeah. And then simultaneously, you had Gemma literally losing her mind. She's going through that big mind frack. I don't, I'm trying to think if Fitz wasn't there to pull her together in the end, if she would have found her way there or if her mind would have disintegrated. But man, that was right on the edge and what a terrible thing for her to go through because of all the things that she was trying to remember and forget at the same time including her own kid that was just one big mind frack michelle yeah she probably would have melted because it was interesting like she trusted deke right away but then she had this whole i want that outfit because daisy looks cool moment and how they were able to like lure her like a little kids like yeah you'll get an outfit Yeah, over here, there's some ice cream. Come this way. I think Elizabeth Hendricks did a great job of making us actually believe that Simmons' brain could actually leak out of her ears and nose at any moment. That was one of the moments in the show that just got me. I have had several family members have dementia, and so it's kind of a sore spot for me. And watching Simmons, you know, who's just brilliant and her brain, her brain is her superpower. And watching 
that get scrambled. So she's her brain sort of unable to distinguish what the timeline is. She's like experiencing different parts of time, I guess. Yeah, she played that confusion and that vulnerability incredibly well. Yeah, my hat's off to Elizabeth Henstridge right there. We also got Sybil back in physical form. And Haley, I like the fact that they brought up Nathaniel Malik's terminology that he would have known in 1983, space age polymer. <laughs> it's been fun seeing them hit people with future tech for us in different periods of time. And how do you describe that future tech without the extra 20 years, 30 years of our knowledge to build your definitions off of? After three long years, who was ready to say goodbye to the lighthouse? I think they all were. Really? Yeah. yeah of here, of us, who was ready to see the lighthouse go bye-bye? Somebody on Twitter, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who right now, but said that that set should be like up for an award for having been repurposed so many different times. So yeah, kudos on the set decorators for taking just like a couple of rooms and making it look like lighthouse in the future, past, present, a whole different lab, just other stuff. That's where they save the money. As I was watching the Zephyr take off for the, the last time, I think, I, again, was looking at that hole going, I would hate to be fishing in anywhere around that area because you're going to go down like several yeah. hundred feet. It's not going to be good. All those poor dead fish that just go through. I wanted to bring up something real quick. You brought up the whole terminology. And that's another thing that was cracking me up about Sousa because they keep bringing in Okay, you think they sound fake, but they were real. It was like real terminology back in the day. At one point, he tells Max something about egg in your beer. And I was like, that what? And I'm looking at Wikipedia. It was actually like a thing that people would do. Egg and beer refers to the practice, literally or figuratively, of cracking raw egg into a glass of beer. And the phrase, what do you want, egg in your beer? means that the listener has already has something good, but is asking for more undeservedly. I've known for years that Haley's breakfast was egg in her beer. I'm vegan. I don't eat eggs. Well, not anymore, but you used to. Chicken's vegan? Gelato's vegan? <laughs> Happy 10-year anniversary to Scott Pilgrim versus the world, by the way. <laughs> I got that reference. When uh, he tells Mac... When Sousa tells Mac peachy and Mac's like, don't ever let her hear you say that. And then he's like arguing back to him and Mac's like, you know what? That's probably why she likes you so much. You just go and keep being the Sousa that you are. At which time I figured he'd be pretty much dead, but he didn't. He survived. I love the thought of both of them just trying to mess with each other. He makes up increasingly weird sayings and being like oh yeah that was totally a thing we used to say in the 40s and 50s and she starts making up increasingly weird stuff like what you haven't heard that it's on vine <laughs> or tiktok vine doesn't exist anymore i'm old <laughs> a year from now tiktok won't exist <laughs> yeah uh. what people aren't saying that on the 
thing they beam in directly to your brain? Come on. I love how they finally get out of the Chromicon ship in the penultimate episode where they duct tape, which would never, I don't know if that would work or not. <laughs> Look, duct tape always works. The world is held together by coffee and duct tape. Okay. Especially this year. Yeah. Also, I used to work in film production a little bit. Duct tape and clothespins. You know, dear audience, that's what the movie industry productions and stuff run off of. Duct tape and clothespins and coffee. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with aerodynamics. So if there's air or atmosphere in there, that duct tape is not going to hold that missile going at supersonic speeds. But if it's a vacuum, oh yeah, it'll work. SP, the world is on fire. Let us have our chronicom bombs. <laughs> well, that was pretty, it was great CGI once again. Chronobombs? Yeah, right. <laughs> Where you had three of them. It looked like zombie chronicons, by the way. <laughs> if you take a close look at them as their heads are like, <laughs> as the missiles are going towards their <laughs> doors to the airlock or whatever it was. Yeah. That was all made possible by Sousa. That whole sequence delighted me of just, you know, they're like, he's like, well, I don't, you know, you're not an engineer. I don't see how you'd put that together. And he's like, just duct tape. Yeah. It, again, Sousa's problem solving skills are his superpower. That was Max. Sousa, wa Sousa wanted to go after Daisy. And Max was like, okay. stand down, Sousa. And he's like, what? He's like, I need duct tape. And that, also, right. this was this was brought about by Deke because Deke comes along and goes, uh, wait a minute. This looks like a suicide bomb situation. Can we do something other than a suicide bomb, please? Yeah. <laughs> Sousa was the one who was like, okay, if there's this stuff that's in them, why don't we just take that out? And then you get Deke, who's like, this looks like a suicide bomb. And then you get Mac, who's like, duct tape. Team effort. Very good. <laughs> so after they get out of the Chromicon ship and they rescue everybody but Cora, and they get back down to Earth, they end up in the same hideout in New York City, the same bar that's been there the entire time. The password is still swordfish. <laughs> Unless you've rescued and patched up a reformed Garrett who was trying to bomb the place. I like the fact that Yo-Yo was able to just do a flash and put the uh, bombs in one, one area. But yeah, I mean, you don't need a password when you've got a Garrett popping you in and then immediately getting shot. <laughs> well, but did you see why? He was being a double agent again. They said hands up and he refused to do that. He was going for his gun. So hand shot him i'm glad hand shot him because he was somebody pointed out that he in the prime timeline back in you know season one two whenever it was it was, season one yeah he was the one garrett was the one who ordered ward to kill hand so this was some nice little cross-dimensional cross-timeline payback by the way we had a little conversation before we went live Victoria Hand was not played by the same actor that played Victoria Hand back in season one. No, it was just really good casting. It was, I think her first name is spelled, pronounced Raquel. Maybe it's Rachel. I don't know, but Skank. We've actually covered her before because we've covered Legion before and she was in Legion. She was a Vermilion in Legion, which is awesome that we've actually <laughs> covered her before and we didn't know it. Very different look. Hashtag it's all connected. 
Marvel Universe is definitely connected. She did such a good job. I kind of wish they had cast a young Lucy Lawless. That would have been cool. Oh, yeah. And also, wait, wasn't Edward James almost one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. people, too, at some point? Yeah, yes. um, in, like, season They could have cast Bodie. <laughs> that would have been cool. Maybe they couldn't get him. I don't think he's busy. I was kind of hoping for a Peggy Carter cameo, which we didn't get. So I guess the finale wasn't all perfect. So close. There was issues with the finale, which we'll get to. Yeah. I still enjoyed it quite a bit. So they finally get to the swordfish and we have Garrett being unceremoniously killed and you have this 084 message. This is one of the problems I have with the finale. It is unclear who sent the 084 message. Who sent the 084? Enoch. Mm -hmm. Enoch. He set up this whole thing. He set it up, but he wasn't there. He didn't press play on the message. He didn't have to. It was on a timer. That's how well planned out this whole thing was. Oh, I didn't see the timer. Yeah. The way they handle time travel and timelines and everything and the way it all lined up in the end. As somebody who has tried to write a time travel story, just blew my mind. It was so clean. They did go back and fix several things that I thought were going to be dangling, but they went back to fix it. And Enoch's time at the bar wasn't wasted because he created that second side room where the machine, I don't know what we want to call it, quantum drive. Quantum tunneler or something they called it. Which was placed right there. I don't know if that was their plan all along to stuff Enoch there for decades so he could do that, but it worked. Well, he knew stuff that was going on. Remember, he's the one that steals a copy of the time stream. They worked a long time on this plan. And you said at the beginning that Fitz had all this stuff in there, all the, you know, money and the motorcycles and all this stuff. So I don't know why you're scratching your head about how Enoch couldn't have done this. I mean, obviously they had a plan. I just didn't see the technological capability to do that. If it's on a timer, I'm fine with that. I'm cool now. Uh, Also, there was a great cameo at the very end, and I know, Lauren, you were scratching your head about this, of who it was, because you tweeted. So I found out who it was, I looked at IMDb, and it was Bill Coates, and I tweeted that back to you. To my knowledge, Bill doesn't have any existing relationship with the Marvel Universe, so I think this was like his first Marvel cameo or role or something like that. Did I miss something? So at first I was wondering like, oh, was this somebody that we've seen before? And I just forgot. But it sounds like he was just some random guy that used to show up. And due to time stream knowledge, Enoch knew, hey, you'll still be alive in, you know, 1983 for what year was it? 1983. 83. So, hey, guess what? You need to take this over there when you get the signal. Right, so he did. He came in. Bill Coates noted for his 191 acting credits, some of which are still coming out. So he's been busy lately. Good for him. And then Fitz comes in, and that's the end of the episode. So it was amazing leading into the finale. 
I like to think of these two as a two-hour block, and I'm glad they aired them together as a two-hour block, but I can see, you know, watching them separately. I'm just glad that we didn't have to do that. The finale, what we're fighting for, Fitz comes in, and for him, it's been instantaneous. So he goes from the escaping the temple to figuring out a plan over, you got to think it's at least five years, five to seven, maybe 10 years, something like that, that they're hiding out. So he comes back to the temple, he gets in position, and to him, it's almost immediate that he's transported to this other timeline, and he's acting in a rush, because they were rushed when they came back to the temple to set this all up. Everybody else is coming off their battles and stuff like that. He's trying to piece things together, and they are just yelling at him, just really upset about how Fitz set this all up and they didn't have a say in it basically but eventually he convinces everybody that this was the one way to do it I think he was pretty successful because nobody had a beef with it later but Fitz coming in right now is definitely jarring as it's coming I'm glad they gave us the little snippets before of his time with Gemma because if we didn't, it, it would really be jarring to have him come back in after 12 episodes of being gone and then boom, come in in the finale. I think it was all kind of weird. But when you think of it, you said it before that the timeline, how they did the time travel was so amazing. You really couldn't fit him into the story any other way. This was how the story had to go. Yeah. If you showed up earlier, you're spoiling it at that point. I would like to say that when he first showed up, my spouse came in to the bedroom where I was watching the show because I was just loudly crying and Scott wanted to see if I was okay and then looks over, sees Fitz and is like, hey, is that Ant-Man? And then we find <laughs> out they use the quantum realm to get between timelines and do all the time travel and it made me very happy. I was a bit surprised that at the beginning of the episode was going to be the last time that they were all together. I mean, right away, Deke is ripped from the team. You can kind of see it because he wasn't part of the team from the beginning and all sorts of time issues that he shouldn't have been there to begin with. But I was hoping to get some sort of flash over to him in the epilogue. We didn't. I was hoping to see him like on stage doing a thing and then going backstage and doing S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. That would have been great. Yeah, because S.H.I.E.L.D. is completely gone in his universe. So now Deke is in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. They look, all the people in that timeline left in the bar are like, so I guess you're in charge now? And when you consider that for a while in that timeline while Mac was having his depression off, Deke was the one who was picking up the slack and kind of getting everything going. He's not unqualified. And yeah, he may have had a good point. Like, I'm literally a rock star in this timeline. I shouldn't have been in your timeline in the first place. And yeah, it made sense why he was the one to stay behind, even if it meant that I was going to miss him. Now, Michelle, I have a question to ask you because you're usually really observant. I tried to look in the crowd at Swordfish to see if anyone there was part of Deke's, the Deke squad, basically, Team Shield Deke. And I couldn't see anybody. So I think 
like Roxy Glass and all the rest of them. I don't know if they're still around or not. Did you see any of them in there in Swordfish? I didn't see any of them. I just realized Swordfish, Agents of Sword. <gasps> Jumping ahead. Anyway, but I think it made sense for Deke. I, I thought it was interesting that Sousa, who's also out of time, wanted to, you know, it's like, I'm out of time and I had the second chance and I'm going to. And then Deke, who also like Daisy was, you know, like, we got to find Simmons. And Deke, oh yeah, Deke. And then here he looks at her and is just like, I want you to be happy, Daisy. And I'm just like going, oh man. Yeah. To her, you're an afterthought. He gave you lemons. (laughs) I, again, I liked that because, okay, I was really scared when, you know, Sousa started showing interest in Daisy. Are we going to get a love triangle? I am very over love triangles. But instead, what we see with Deke is he handles it very maturely, recognizes she's not into me the way I'd like her to be. And at the end, he is pretty selfless with that. Again, he's just like, I want you to be happy. And that's what's important to him. I liked that instead of some impassioned, you never loved me, blah, 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 whatever speech like I've seen in so many other shows. It's very sad to me that he is in a universe without any possibility of Daisy because Daisy's not going to be alive at all in the universe that he's in. So he's without her. There's a lot of women in the universe he's in. He'll find somebody. I'm not worried about Daisy. As long as Mercer Tankeron is still around. There's plenty of other swordfish in the sea. He's a rock star with unlimited resources because he's also in charge of an international spy agency. He's going to be fine. He should be. Mm-hmm. I just think over in his timeline, the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a lemon in it. The little symbol <laughs> has to have a lemon in it somewhere. He's like, hey, everybody, we're rebranding. <laughs> when we, we talked, when that episode aired, did we talk about what lemons are in fan fiction? I don't remember <laughs> if we did, but yeah, it amuses me. Okay. So, so for those not in, okay, this was a big thing. When I was first reading fan fiction back in like the late 90s was the whole rating adult fan fiction as lemons or limes. And it refers to if a fic is a lemon, a lime or citrusy, it's going to have sex in it. And I think the term started coming back a little recently on like Tumblr. So the writers grabbed it and ran with it. I think they had to have been aware of it because they could have picked any like fresh fruit and it'd be like a symbol of love. And they chose lemon. I think they chose lemons. I mean, even if they weren't aware of it, I think they chose it because it's not a sweet fruit. It's kind of a bitter, sour fruit. Or they could have done it with like vegetables. They could have been like broccoli is a symbol of love because it's so hard to have broccoli. And it's got vitamin C. Instead, we get lemons, which prevent scurvy. Like, I really like the symbology of this is a very practical but hard to get thing that will keep you healthy. This is my love for you. So Fitz brings Gemma back, patches her mind, which is still melting, and she can't figure out everything. She did a wonderful job of figuring out what the quantum thing was, by the way, in the middle of all this. So hats off again to the character and the actor there. But Fitz tells the story of the star and 
he brings it all in for her and she's able to at least piece that back together. The emotions aren't there at the time, but I think it was a great way for them to bring fixing Gemma and giving us the backstory all simultaneously. It was awesome. And it, it's kind of the second time because we had those flashbacks before and we get the ending. So we get the, what really happened later, but I think it was great. I think it was a, a great mix of time travel and story montage and bringing you up to speed without handing you everything. It was well, well done. I think this is one of the things that sets this finale apart from the season five finale. And I'll talk about that later. But I thought it was well done. The show was very tightly written. Show don't tell is a maxim that not a lot of people stick to when it comes to filling in details or giving an in like the, giving information on a world. And the way they were able to integrate it here was wonderful, I thought. Yeah, you had the incorporation also of the Quantum Realm, which is straight out of the MCU, Ant-Man, Endgame. It was used in both. So great that we had this from the MCU that we were able to bring in to here. And I think Fitz didn't have any of the research. I think he came up with this all on his own because we've speculated before that the actual MCU is vastly departed from what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has, even in their regular timeline. So I think Fitz did pretty well figuring out this whole Quantum Realm thing. Well, the man is a genius. We also had several instances of two Zephyrs at the same time, which I thought, again, was wonderful storytelling because you've got the... If you're going to talk about a time travel show, yes, have two Zephyrs in the same place at the same time, and they did that wonderfully. Uh, they never actually, except for the suits, Team Shield and the suits, they just didn't ever cross paths. And I think that's the way you got to go. There was no hand that went away like in Back to the Future either. Did y'all start yelling when the suits thing paid off? Because I know I did. Yes. I'm going, oh my goodness. We all wondered who these people were in the suits. And we should have known that they were just obscuring the regular cast, but you just didn't know. When they were face to face with that timeline's version of themselves was, that would be so weird. It would absolutely be weird. There's a show that I absolutely love that has a little, I'm not going to say which one because I'm not going to spoil it, even though it came out like a couple of years ago. Uh, a year, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember time. But anyway, that whole realizing that you were there at an event in your own life, it's one of those things that it's a narrative trope that I kind of love. And it also brings Sousa back in there, too, because Sousa was one of the four that they brought in to that. So he got to experience the temple. You got to go back a little bit in the team's history and experience it. And it's probably good that he was there, too, that they didn't have four people that were just completely overcome by reliving the same event that he was able to do that. I enjoyed that part very well, especially when Yo-Yo saying, I just try not to throw up in my helmet because that was a very bad time for her. If it's going, don't engage, don't <laughs> engage. Between that and seeing Piper and Flint again, I was just, like that whole 
again, once this episode in particular kicked off, it was amazing for me. The Piper, we've brought up Piper and Flint before at the very beginning of the season. We're like, where are they? What happened with them? We brought up some fanfic ideas or headcanon ideas of what happened to them. I think, Haley, you were the one that mentioned that they flew off and that they're doing fine now. No, they've just been standing there the entire time. (laughs) Well, they did fly off, but they were brought back once Enoch brought them back to the Quinjet. I love at the end when they're like, wow, that was quicker. How did and how did you do that when? You know, they just watched Fitz go inside of this escape pod, and then he comes back from a completely different direction. Well, this is something that I should have recognized the entire time, and and I will say, SP, you're a dummy for this. They've had this containment pod on the Zephyr for years, and all of a sudden, with this time-traveling Zephyr, the containment pod wasn't there, so I should have been like okay where is the containment pod we haven't seen the containment pod all season and bingo it's here so they did a good job of bringing everything back including piper and flint i just again very well done with the storytelling yes i real quick how poetic is it that fitz and simmons whose lives basically especially fitz whose lives changed kind of for the worse at the time in that containment pod you remember when they were thrown out Mm -hmm. by ward and they use that now to save the entire timeline i thought it was beautiful and poetic also it was that pod and that incident that damaged fitz in a way that he wasn't himself anymore and then the pod was used to make Simmons bring her back to herself. Again, poetic. The writers are so good. Now we're going to talk about what Michelle really wanted to talk about this entire time was the epic final battles. They were epic. Except for a little wire work on Quake, they were phenomenal. Like all of the fight choreography was done believable. And for the most part, it was done in multiple steps. So it wasn't quick cut scenes and stuff like that. They really put a lot of effort into these final battles, which is really cool because this has been a hallmark of the show. The most notable to me was the Daisy Nathaniel fight, but all of them were great. So Michelle, which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, the Daisy fight. Nathaniel really just relies on the quake power and yeah, he knows some hand to hand stuff, but you really see the fruition of Daisy's growth. I remember her, you know, going to may and getting training and you see it in this fight, how she's able, he thinks he's winning, but it's her knowing all of this battle strategy. She's learned from the best and she's able to fight in a way to make him think he's winning prolong it and to keep herself in the fight strategy can beat just raw power he just relies on this but she knows strategy she learned from the calvary and i love that moment when may comes in but that dick daisy fight yeah thinking about how at the very beginning of the series remember the episode where she's undercover at I think it was a Hydra thing and she was wearing that really pretty dress. And that was like one of the first times I think we got to see her do anything really actiony. 
And she's gone from that to basically being made 2.0, plus the addition of superpowers, plus, like you said, strategy, plus knowing that sometimes to win the war, you have to lose the battle. Nathan relied on her being selfish because he himself is selfish and would never be able to make that decision. And Daisy was the one who jumped on the grenade. She was obviously fighting somebody that was more physically and special power, superpowers, more capable than she was. And she won through the strategy. Yeah, that was the Daisy that has grown up over seven years. Yes, Nathaniel has had the powers longer, but Daisy has had the training. She's had the experience because Nathaniel hasn't had all the big bads come along over the years. He's basically been the bully the entire time. So he hasn't had have to go through the same tough times that Daisy did. So yeah, I'd agree there. So Haley, what'd you think of the final fight between Quake and Tremors? I was so happy to see her kick his ass. Just so happy. Finally. So a little justification there. Yeah. But that wasn't the only final fight, was it, Michelle? No, you had the (laughs) you had the Colson May fight with the Chronicoms. Colson gets trapped, you know, on purpose, and he spills like, "Oh, we've won! They're at the lighthouse." And Sobel's like, "Oh, thank you for letting me know where everyone is." And then he's just like, "Okay, we wanted you to do that." And she's like, "Well, what's going to happen next?" And then May comes in and says. The Calvary. I'm just, I, I was so happy. I smiled a thousand smiles inside and there were thousands of smiles within the thousands of smiles when we finally got her being the Calvary again. She got to be the pilot again, but most of all, she got to be the Calvary again. That was just, oh God, I loved it. This used to be all I did. (laughs) That title went from being you know, the weight that she bore from this tremendous failure that, you know, as she thought, and now she's wearing it, you know, with pride. And again, I thought that was beautiful. And again, my little shipper heart was so happy when those two were fighting together. And then that moment right at the end. And then I think it was Mac comes in and I'm like, oh, yeah, he hates robots and he's able to put his boot on the last one that was still moving around. He said, he just said, nope. That's all he said. Nope, not going to do that. And Cora comes in and saves the day. Uh, Cora, this is something that I don't know if if it is a open threat or not. But she was having her power taken away from her. Was there somebody else on the ship that had the power, and did that person get away? I mean, that could be. That was Malik. Malik got both powers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why didn't Malik use those powers on Daisy? He was about to. At the end, the glow. Oh, okay. Because remember, they were in that really explosive room. Gotcha. So his eyes, okay. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Whole new meaning to the fight now. I got to watch it again. Oh, yeah. Again, that fight had layers. It holds up because I re- I watched it. I'm a Hulu person too. So I watched it this morning when I did the notes and then I rewatched it while I was eating dinner. So it holds up. I've watched it three times so far, and it's been great so far, but I just never put that together. That's awesome. And then Yo-Yo had a little fight in the in the lighthouse as she was clearing out the Chromacons that was down there, and they were getting into the control room, so she had a little speed fight down there. Nothing huge, 
for her there, but she had a lot to do previously with the bombs and and everything else. So yeah, I think that was that speed fight when Susa was like, "Oh, that's what your powers are." Yes, yeah. Susan mentioned that right when she did that. So he had never seen it before, and he got to see it right there. And then Piper and Flint were guarding the pod the entire time. I'll give them kudos for that because. As we learn later, that was literally everything. Piper, who we used to love and just has been I in the season. Right. I still love her. I still love her. Right. She just wasn't in the season. She got the most important job of taking care of that pod. And I think that was very much kudos. And then, of course, she gets, in the end, she gets any wish from Simmons. And then we find out where her true feelings were basically from that too <laughs> yeah just uh, again so good so tightly written a little bit of robotech ending here <laughs> i've never actually seen the end of robotech well so there was three different segments of it so this would be the end of the mad cross segment with min may mm-hmm. you know we will win oh, love. the power of love yeah. yeah yes i again i was so happy because I feel like, again, the whole theme of the show has been family and empathy. And we saw Coulson basically becoming a surrogate father figure to Daisy. We have Deke finding his grandparents. Just, again, family. The theme is family. So at the end, what saves humanity? Family. We have Cora, who, you know, not only does she save Daisy's life, but she realizes, hey, maybe my boyfriend's a jerk who murdered my mom for not a good reason and then ends up betrayed by him. And it's like, oh, OK, bad breakup there. And she comes back to the shield side. She does what Garrett was kind of hinting. Oh, I can totally be a good guy. And she helps May. May has these powers. She did not understand why she had and it turns out again there's a purpose here colson's you know newfound i speak robot abilities lets him hack into that may is the one with the empathy the emotion i think we've talked previously about you know they even touch on it here is lmd colson well we find out basically chronicom colson is he a real boy or not and the difference between him and the other chronicoms we see, the difference between Enoch and the other chronicoms we see, is empathy, is family. May is able to use that with Kor's powers and Coulson, again, family unit, and bring that to the chronicoms. Because again, when the chronicoms were first introduced, weren't they like, oh, we've been a friend to humanity this whole time, but we're observers? So we get back to that now. I have a lot of feelings, you guys. <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, the beginning of the finale, well, the, the other episode, May is asking, did we change the timeline or did the timeline change us? How did I come to be the me that I am now? I, that just, I just really hit, you know, that's what really this was about. Ming now has been through a lot. She went from being Mulan to being the head of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. I can't remember if I was on for the couple of episodes 
But did we talk about how, I can't remember the character's name, the one who was trying to kill Korra because she's dangerous. He was Ryu in Street Fighter the movie. And of course, <laughs> Ming-Na was Shun Li. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. It was Lee. Lee, that was his name, yeah. That was the character's name anyway, Lee. Yeah, the actor is uh, Byron Mann. The end of the Quake fight was, you know, just, I think that is the effect for the show, is the Quake effects around Chloe Bennett. She ends up blowing up the highly radioactive bubbles on the ship. And thus blowing up the ship and then blowing everybody else up. They never showed Nathaniel dead, but I assume he's in a billion different little pieces. No, he and Sitwell were on a farm in the country together. <laughs> okay. And then she goes through the whole freezing up in space, which, by the way, in the season five finale, she's the one who kicked off Talbot into space for that same thing. So it was kind of going to be a fitting ending for her there but then they did the guardians of the galaxy ending and they were able to save her before she froze over too much and i okay i again the parallels to the marvel universe or marvel cinematic universe were great there they were able to pull that off that is the definitive moment for me in the show and everything else that happened to that was just joyous and epilogue but that was the end of the conflict for the show yeah and we find out what was in the pod? It was the baby, the science baby. science baby, the actual science. Well, science young child. She's like four, maybe. And then we, you know, get those memories back from Simmons's mind, Simmons's flashback. And the camera turns a little and we see the kid was there the whole time. Again, feels Haley was right. It's too bad Fitz couldn't tell Deke the last time he saw him that the bumping of lemons actually already happened, but he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't because they hadn't won yet. And it was still a risk. Mm-hmm. It's just too bad. Deke never knew that. I wish there had been like a hug between them and he whispered something in his ear. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. But I guess it was sort of the, it happened off camera, the uncertainty principle thing where you can see something or you can know where something is something like that. It's been a while since I took physics, but you can't have both at the same time. Or like, no, seeing a thing You changes. can know where it is, or you can know how fast it's moving, but you can't know both. Thank you. Yeah. So maybe it was that. What do we think of Deke's impression of his grandpa? Nailed it. I was delighted. <laughs> when he pulled the pose, <laughs> I screeched. <laughs> yeah, James Bond doesn't pose like that. Although, like James Bond, Fitz is Scottish. I thought that was a great... And the cast, if you've been following any of their interviews so far along the way, the cast had played that up the entire time that Deke does an amazing impression of Fitz. <laughs> I forgot about that. Or Jeff does a great impression of Ian. They have brought that up several times in their interviews and in their finale in Skype or Zoom chats or whatever they've got going on. So, yes, they've been laying the trail for that for quite some time. I'm like, I don't know. Have we ever actually seen that? Maybe, but we got the full on one this episode. Delightful. It ends with the epilogue, and I'm glad it ends with the epilogue. I like this epilogue more than I like the season five finale quite a bit. It is more end of the journey 
than season five. Season five was the end of Coulson, but season seven was the end of everybody and where they are today. For me, it ties it up much, much better. And we get to see everybody. I didn't pick up on the fact that they were all hologramming in. Maybe they were in a framework somewhere. I don't know exactly. I didn't pick up on that until I think it was Chloe Bennett. Yeah, her, her, she like glitches. Yeah. And, and was I was like, like oh, oh, it's a hologram. And then I realized, no, they are basically in the framework. So the last time they're going to be in this room together, it's everybody's busy. So we're all just kind of, you know, teleconferencing in. I would have hoped that we would have gotten something from Deke in this whole thing, but I, I realized how they couldn't bring that in. I said that before. Hello, this is post-production producer SP breaking in right here with some information that we didn't have when we recorded, but I watched a video from Entertainment Weekly of the entire cast being interviewed. It was their post-exit interview of the series, and Jeff Ward stated that there was a epilogue scene pitched by he thought DJ Doyle, which was one of the writers and producers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of deke shaw in the alternate universe where he would turn around with an eye patch and he didn't need an eye patch but he would turn around in a high back chair in a shield office with an eye patch and that was the director of shield in the alternate timeline so there was a pitched scene i'm glad i found this because this would have been awesome having in the two-hour finale i don't know for time if they could have done it, and that's probably why it wasn't even shot. And they probably wanted to keep it a little bit ambiguous in case they wanted to bring back Deke for anything in the future. Jeff Ward can easily fit in because he's from an alternate timeline into the MCU, into a future Agents of Sword TV show or streaming show if they deserve to do that, or some other streaming show that they have in the future. You can always bring this character in with anybody from that universe. Now, Deke was left off in 1983. It gives him 40 years to catch up to the current timeline. But again, in the quantum realm, you can time travel quite easily. You don't necessarily have to travel directly in a linear fashion. And the MCU has made that happen with Endgame. So, we're good to go for a possibility of director Shaw coming into a future Marvel production. And that might be worth it. But I'm glad I heard that Deke Shaw mentioned that there was going to be a post-production scene. Again, we did not have this information available when we recorded. So I am putting it in the final produced version of this episode and I will inform the lady agents and we will potentially discuss it at a future episode. Now back to the episode that was recorded on Thursday, August 13th, 2020. It was great that we got Piper and Davis. LMD Davis is out there now. Oh, I love that shot of Yo-Yo just exiting the car and zooming away. And, you know, closing the door and zooming away. I'll see you on the other side of the compound. She's working for Mac, who's the new director. Are you sad that they're not physically together? I mean, that was one of the shipping things that we wanted. They all are along. together. 
Yeah, they are together. It's just that right now, because she said that she's uh, on, an on an assignment. Right, but I don't know if that's done on purpose. No, I think it is. Yeah, break. but they're together. Well, no, it, it's, it's done on purpose because of the whole, this is the last time we'll all be in this room together thing. But again, they're, they're a couple who both work busy jobs. And, you know, you get that whole, you know, the turtle man is always late. Yeah, he tells her to be careful. Just, I think he tells her to be careful. I remember him telling her to yep. be careful. Yeah, no contact in and out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, when he showed up in that kind of longish coat, I'm like, oh, shades of Nick Fury. And then we get that shot of him on the helicarrier. Very Nick Fury. So good. They've all come such a long way. He alluded to it for so long. He's like, I worked in the hallways so long that it's hard to get used to the view. I'm like, okay, well, corner office, triskelion. That's what I'm thinking. Nope. That's what I was thinking too. He's on the helicarrier. Yeah. Uh, just the little hints that we see of people. We find out May is now an instructor at the Colson Shield Academy, the Colson Academy for Shield. Colson is on sabbatical trying to figure out things, life. Let's back up a second with the Colson Academy or the Shield Academy or whatever. May was, I'm trying to remember, if it wasn't at the end of the last season, it was the end of season five. Mac was asking her to be part of the Shield or run the new Shield Academy. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do it because she didn't have empathy. She couldn't be a teacher back then. She learned that over the course of the next two years. So the two years of the bonus packs that we got for the show were the reason why she was able to actually be the head of the academy and that's saying something about the journey here because they closed that loop they needed a new head of the academy she was the obvious choice but she just couldn't do it personally until she got the empathy and flint's a student that was again made me so happy who is late for class apparently are you really late when you walk in with the professor who is the head of the entire institution? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, we have that. We have, again, it's just, we get to see how far they've come from when we first saw them. And it's such beautiful character growth. And then, you know, we don't see Sousa in the room, but they're discussing him. We hear Fitz and Simmons mention the kid. And then it turns out, oh, they were having a picnic with her. and. They got a happy ending. They got a family. They got, after everything they went through, they're finally together. I think it was a Donna girl on Twitter who pointed out that translated the star that they named. By the way, they went to Simmons's favorite star for their honeymoon. It's beautiful. Which is also the name of their daughter. Oh, yeah. But that apparently like also means sky or something like that. So they sort of uh. named their daughter after daisy one of the things that i was noticing after the second or third watch through i think there's something to the fact that you were saying that elizabeth and ian didn't get along very well there was very little physical contact between the two of them in these two episodes yeah again clarifying this was from a blind item that I saw years ago. So take it all with a huge grain of salt. And it might have been just because they just didn't, since Ian wasn't around the set, they just didn't have the chemistry or whatever. But I thought it was odd when they went back to the park 
after they got out of the swordfish framework that it never showed the three of them together. It showed Fitz with their daughter and it showed Gemma smiling at him. They never showed them together. So maybe there was something to that effect. But I love the fact that Daisy and Sousa are in space. She showed Sousa E.T. to prep him. He's reading Cosmos by Carl Sagan. He calls them Astro Ambassadors, and he just got a typewriter. Like, it's just... Sousa's saving the post office. He sends them physical letters. Uh, And then we have them, again, family, them plus Cora. But real quick, how was he sending them letters? I assume it's from the last time they were on Earth. (laughs) Okay. A very long tube. Maybe he mails it with a stamp from 1945 or something like that, or 53, something like that. And Daisy quietly opens it up, scans it in, and sends it. (laughs) That would also be kind of adorable. But yeah, we have them plus Cora. And Cora and Sousa are both so excited about space. Again, the theme of the show was family. And I love that. That's. Like, my number one narrative kink is found family. And it was just perfect. So we've got Sousa from the 50s, Cora from the 80s, and then Daisy from the 2010s. There is as much space between Cora and Sousa as there is between Cora and Daisy in the time period they pulled them from for this mission. I just thought of this while we were talking earlier. How weird are birthday is going to be for all of them from now on (laughs) especially Fitz and Simmons after you know spending all that time off in space and then coming back to the year they left and everything like do you add those years also are they traveling at relativistic speeds because that even complicates it more yeah yeah they should have done if they really wanted to depict the two of them off for 10 15 years they should have done some minor aging between the two of them but who knows could have been relativistic i think it was only supposed to be like six years if i had to guess like five or six years i'm thinking the daughter's around five ish four or five so it's at least five or six years yeah i'm thinking six years at most because that little kid yeah television is very bad at subtle aging we can show you 20 years older or we can show nothing. But if we try and do anything in between, we're really bad at it. Yeah, they sort of... I remember being very jarred when Simmons showed up at the end of last season. Because, you know, that whole time we saw her with the bangs. Those I love Elizabeth Hemsworth, but terrible bangs. And then she comes back and her hair's pulled back. We don't see the bangs. Bangs are frequently, for women and female presenting characters like a good shorthand way of saying time has passed with guys. It's a beard, Mm -hmm. which he did have kind of stubble going on. Yeah. Evil Fitz had had the goatee before. Anyway, there's one last thing I want to talk about, about Fitzsimmons. You guys can talk about it as long as you want. There was a subtle dig in the dialogue, in the epilogue between Fitz and Simmons about the Christmas presents. Cause Ian was saying, or, Fitz was saying Christmas was overrated and he kind of smirked and was looking over at Gemma, probably knowing that Gemma was going to film or just had filmed her Christmas movie from last year. Not being a Hallmark watcher, I forgot all about that. 
Yeah. So I was just looking at that going, uh, I bet you that is an inside joke that nobody will get except for me. So thank you, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. producers. Writing for an audience of one and succeeding. Hey, I actually saw that one because she was in it. I've seen better, but yeah, she tried. The last two left in the room were Daisy and Colson. You got the Colson Daisy final moment together. It was very well done between the two of them and the two of them were basically the heart of the whole thing. Glad we ended with the two of them. Glad we ended with just Daisy in there uh, and Colson LMD Colson going off into his new Lola, Lola Mark two. <laughs> I love what Mac did for him. Yeah. Mac is like, you know, I'm an engineer at heart or a mechanic at heart. And I'm like, Oh my God, he gave him a new Lola. So he opens the box and yeah, sure enough, there's the keys. And we get Lola, he presses the button, and in addition to flying now, Lola's shape-shifting. Goes from a little red number to a little black number. It was a little bit Men in Blackish to me. Yeah. I mean, like, straight out of Men in Black. It well, was- considering that S.H.I.E.L.D. in the MCU has kind of, was kind of initially portrayed as a very Men in Black type organization, it felt appropriate to me. And we were having a little bit of conversation pre-show, the fact that that might have not have been Lola. It might have been like stock footage or something like that. And then they created the CGI around him uh, later because the production team doesn't own Lola anymore. So if they did use Lola or a version of Lola, it would have had to have been on loan for that one shot. Which is possible. I've heard of shows doing that before with props they've sold off. Yeah. So fitting last in. By the way, the flyaway was the same flyaway as the season five finale. The flyaway in season five was the Zephyr coming right over May and Colson on the beach. So it was fitting to have the same thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But then Daisy, she takes a final look and then goes back to her ship with Sousa. I would have liked Sousa to have been in the group, but Sousa only knew them from basically half a season. So, yeah, I could kind of see him not wanting to be in on the reunion, but he was part of the team at the end. So he could have been. He was busy reading. Cosmos is a good read. All right. With all that, we'll start with last thoughts. Haley, what's your last thoughts here? I'm ready to rewatch the entire series. That's my last thought. That that's all I can think about. That's one of the great things about sticking the landing like this. You got seven seasons of stuff you can go back and rewatch and know that you have a good ending and you can just watch it for the fun (laughs) of it. Didn't Game of Thrones it up. No, they did not. Anything else? I mean, that's the big thing is like they did a really good job on the ending. They pulled in a lot of elements from earlier season. All season, I've been thinking, I can't wait to go back and watch the rest of the series and see all the things that tie together from beginning to end and from middle to end. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Lots of stuff. We probably missed a ton of callbacks this entire season. So, yeah, I'd be interested to do that, too. Michelle, we'll move to you next. I am happy that they stuck the landing. You know, this is a lot of series have ended. Arrow ended, Game of Thrones. There's been others. I have to admit, I was very satisfied. Yeah, I was surprised. I was worried all season long if they were going to stick the landing, especially with all this time travel stuff. But they actually wrapped up a lot of things, and I'm very pleased. Lauren? Like Haley, I immediately wanted to go back from the beginning and start all the way through again, which I have not started yet. 
But I was thinking of another show that Jed and Marissa worked on, Spartacus, which, and the parallels there, not only did they both nail their final ending, I thought, but both series, I thought, started out kind of rough. With Spartacus, it took me until about episode three or so to realize, oh, this is a good show. And with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I remember being a little bit disappointed in the very first episode because I don't know what I was expecting, but that wasn't it. And as the season went on, it was building. And then, of course, by the time we got that twist, it was like, oh, now it's really good. And it's just been sort of riding that high ever since. I think I really really hope Jed and Marissa do more in the Marvel Universe. And if they don't, they left a fantastic legacy. If they do, I will be overjoyed. And whatever happens, I'm going to have to see what they work on next. The cast was wonderful. I was introduced to so many actors that I'd never heard of previously. It really was one of the more diverse shows in the Marvel Universe in general. And honestly, on primetime TV, and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it so much. But while it was here, it was amazing. It was amazing. A few things here that there was just so much into this series finale. It was really all-encompassing. And if you take a look at the season five finale, it was a good finale. It was the end of a big bad it could have worked for a series finale. And I remember thinking at the time it was pretty good. But ultimately what you got was Coulson dying, Sky moving on. She turned over to Mac as the director in that episode, by the way. And that was going to be it for the season. But you had all these dangling things. You had to still go out and get Fitz. You had Fitz missing from the finale with Coulson and Coulson telling him, I wish Fitz was here. Tell him I said goodbye because he knew it was going to last long. And then you just had the mega fight between Daisy and Talbot. And and really, that was it. This brought everything together. It had threads that were in some cases seven seasons long, definitely two seasons long that worked in there. It was just everything coming together and they had a plan for this. They pulled it off. Really appreciate that. You mentioned, Lauren, the pilot. And we've watched the pilot before. It was our episode 200 that we watched it again. Mm-hmm. It does hold up. But I understand what your differences are there. Because we were expecting the MCU. We didn't get the MCU. We got something that was completely different. And it took everybody a while to understand that it was going to be different. Because they kept on bringing these cameos in. Mm-hmm. With Pill and Fury and, and stuff like that. but. What we got in the end was different. So if you go back and watch the pilot again, you're going to be happy with it, knowing where the series is today. But watching the pilot, remember, there was a lot of criticism at the time that we were hoping for the MCU, we were hoping for some big cameos, we just didn't get it. Yeah, again, what I was saying then was like, yeah, I was one of those people who were like, oh my God, we're going to get the MCU on TV just like it is, and we're going to have superheroes, and it's going to be great. And that wasn't what we got. The pilot was very solid. And going back and watching it for our 200th episode was, I mean, you you can go back and listen to our reactions. We loved it. It was fun. But just 
knowing how it went from that kind of more lighthearted show at like the seven o'clock time slot, seven o'clock central, whatever, and that to moving later so they could have edgier content and going this long and all that character growth. Yeah, it absolutely paid off. I was thinking about the moves, the broadcast moves. So it started off, if I'm remembering correctly, on Tuesday nights. Yep. And it was Friday nights and or a Wednesday nights. Probably did a Sunday night somewhere along the way. I don't remember all the nights that it was on, but it moved or ABC was not kind to the series. It moved all the way around. Finally, I mentioned last episode that I had heard from the producers or I read from the producers that Ghost Rider was definitely going to be in the final season. Ghost Rider was definitely not in the final season. So that was something that uh, did not happen. I don't think it needed to happen. So, yeah, probably good that it, it wasn't there. But amazing stuff. I enjoyed it. I have this emptiness, you know, so we finished the season or the series and it's like there was a really good series and I can go back and rewatch it, but it's like this emptiness because there will never be another new episode of this at all. And I'm sure it's some syndrome or something like that, but I was thinking about it last night. I was like, this is so great, but we're not going to be able to talk about this anymore. And especially since we've been podcasting about it since episode one, it's been a ride. And we're just not going to have that anymore. But we'll continue the podcast talking about other things. But there's that emptiness of not having this series. And I don't think there's going to be another one like it on broadcast TV. I think it's all going to be on all these genre shows, comic book shows, sci-fi shows, maybe some action shows. I think it's all going to be on streaming from now on because that's where the market is for it. And that's where they can actually make them to the quality that we need it. They can't make this style of show in eight days they need more time than that so i think this is going to be the last of the big shows on broadcast tv it really does kind of feel like the end of an era well next week we're gonna talk about another end of the era it will be luke cage that we will start to watch season two of luke cage from netflix episode one and episodes two so stay with us we will be talking about that next week and uh, i've already seen it I'm not going to spoil anything to those that have not seen it, but it's worth a watch. So with that, we're going to move on into some news. We have a couple of news items. First, we're getting teased about a certain revival at Disney+. Plus. I guess this past week was a virtual wizard world, you know, Okay, if you're listening to us in the future, there was a plague this year. Everything's online. <laughs> but there was, you know, an X-Men, the animated series panel there. They had the original showrunner, Larry Houston. They had a bunch of the voice actors, including Wolverine, Beast, Mr. Sinister. Those are the ones quoted in the article. And the title of this article got me so excited when I saw it, which was X-Men, the animated series revival, Disney Plus marvel producer confirmed i don't have the article pulled up but it was written more coherently than that but then i read the article and it's like the showrunner said we've had talks but that's about it we've made conversation and it's up to them to make the decision but we've let them know we're all available for whatever they want to do in the future and we being the original voice cast like they were talking like maybe hey do like a, a limited run like just a few episodes a couple years ago, there was a comic series 
X-Men 92, which was a comic continuation of the series, you know, adapt a story from there, do something new. But I don't know about y'all. X-Men the Animated Series was my intro into not only Marvel, but comics in general. Yep. It would be cool to see it again. And if they do, they better keep the theme song. The theme song's the best. Because I don't know about you, but I'm hearing it right now in my head. Yep. If my phone wasn't always on vibrate, it would be my ringtone. And if I knew we wouldn't get like in trouble, like I, I'm trying not to like hum it right now. So instead, I'm going to resist that urge. And we're going to move on to our next news point, which is about Walt Disney not having a great first quarter. And this news is about a week old. And I just thought it was appropriate to talk about it. Now, uh, we talked about how Disney had the best year ever in 2019. And unfortunately, because of world events, they got hit pretty hard. They didn't have any movie revenue to speak of, and they had their parks closed down. So they had the first loss in about 20 years uh, to the amount of $4.72 billion in the second quarter, which included June this year went up to June 27th. And the last time they had a loss was in 2001 in a quarter, and it only amounted to half a billion dollars, so $567 million. So you increase the loss from $500 million or half a billion to $4.7 billion. That's quite a bit. If anybody can weather this, Disney can weather it. Disney and Apple are definitely almost recession-proof for a time period, but eventually... They're going to need to get revenue back. Now, one of the saving graces was Disney Plus. As long as they can throw new content on Disney Plus, things will be fine. They've been struggling for that because a lot of the production had halted that they were going to do, specifically the Marvel series and anything else they were going to throw on there. The Mandalorian was great, but that's like the only thing that we've gotten out of them in terms of sci-fi and genre so far, other than the movies, which were already there. But they really need the parks to open in order to because that's really where their money is in order to make some money and they need the movie theaters or some revenue for movies to come in. I think this is going to push them. We talked about before new mutants and we talked about before how they might go to streaming only for a few things like black widow coming up. They're going to have to figure some of that stuff out because the world situation is not going to change anytime soon. This is going to impact our content. Now we have a lot to go through on legends of shield here. So for us, it's no big deal. But for somebody that wants new, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Yeah, this year's been really hard on people who thrive on new stuff. Entertainment is weirdly like a priority and not a priority because, I mean, we're all stuck inside. We want something to do, something to watch. But at the same time, if you can't really have... like. All the new stuff that was going to come out, you know, theaters are closed and it's just like, ah. Yeah. So as we podcast here, I heard a news story earlier today that AMC is going to open uh, somewhere around August 20th or something like that with 100 theaters nationwide. And they're going to open up another 100. Get this. I don't know if you guys have heard this or not. They're going to charge people 15 cents. They're going to really entice people in there. Now, we've talked about it before, like none of us really feel comfortable in a theater venue right now because of the 
cleanliness or being around other people or whatever, but not even 15 cents is going to let me go back. And I'm really worried about these places staying in business. So I was looking at an article. It's 15 cents for some things. So for things like New Mutants, I think was one of the ones specifically mentioned. It's still going to be full price. Okay. So they're just going to be like airing screening old movies. Is that the plan? I think so. I know a bunch of theaters have been doing stuff like that, like showing, you know, uh, drive throughs at regular movies. They're showing things like The Empire Strikes Back and the Indiana Jones movies. You know, if we could bring back drive-ins, because I went to a lot of movies with drive-ins. That was a really big thing. And we had two here for the longest time and they're not around anymore because I loved drive-in theaters. You go in your car, you're in your car and you can bring food or you can buy their, well, ours was not that great. So we would kind of bring our own. And it was great because you're in your own little containment and nobody's there to kick your seat and nobody's there to, you know, shine their cell phone or whatever. Bring back the drive-ins. There's been a resurgence. Yeah, I want to say Brie Larson. Somebody had like, no, I'm sorry. It was Charlize Theron who showed a screening of Mad Max Fury Road at a drive-in last week, week before. We had about four or five, maybe six drive-ins around my area when I first moved in. There's one left and it was out the door anyway, but they did revive it. So it is open this summer. I have that outdoor theater that I've been using. So as long as I can stream or get a disc to play something, I can do it on my outdoor theater and get that drive-in feel. I love watching it. Matter of fact, last year was one of my favorite times because I watched 2001 and 2010 back-to-back outside. It was amazing. Underneath stars, it wasn't cloudy at all. It was just stars. And I was watching these epic space movies on it. It was, it was really cool. I've heard more and more people are starting to do that if you have the yard for it. And you can invite friends over and still socially distant. You can be 12, 20 feet away and still experience everything together. So you can have that social experience while being socially distant. And it is a way. I think that some of these drive-in theaters that are still existing but need some work, if somebody would put some money into it, I think for the next two years they'd make some money. But I don't know long-term if it would be feasible. I think the streaming at home is going to be more economically feasible for these people over the course of the next two to five years. But that's just my input there. Sad to see Disney not making the money when they made all the money in 2019, especially if you happen to own stock in Disney. But, you know, like I said, if anybody can weather it, Disney can weather at least for now. It'd be nice to see the parks back open. I do. I enjoy Walt Disney World. I, I like going. I haven't been there in years, but I like going. Same. I really want to take Scott and because Scott's never been, but I'm going to be really wary of it for the next couple of years. Yeah. I don't even think next summer. I mean, realistically, I don't think next summer is going to be even for those that need to be cautious. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be doable. Of course, Haley's just fine because she's climbing mountains. Yep. Haven't climbed any mountains lately, but every once in a while. All right, looking forward to all the Marvel news next week. And with that, let's move into the feedback. For 
first off, we have, I posed a question last night while I was live tweeting. I think in the first or second commercial break, I saw a trailer for New Mutants, which is, they're still swearing, is going to come out in theaters, what, next week? So I asked, is New Mutants actually going to come out in theaters for real this time? And the results of that poll, for those curious, is 7.7% said yes, 15.4% said no, and 76.9% said Thanos. So there you have it. Thanos. Thanos will be an answer in all further Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. polls. (laughs) We also had a lot. Well, before I get into that. I believe it was okay. Who, which I wasn't the one who tweeted this. Which one of you tweeted this? I did. Would you watch an Agents of Sword spinoff of Legends of Agents of Shield? Yeah, I was the one that tweeted that. It was something that popped into my mind because somebody was talking about Agents of Sword, and we've heard nothing about an Agents of Sword sort of thing, but we know that Captain Marvel is kind of heading in that direction. I was like, okay, well, this could be something for the future on Disney Plus. They could work in that anyway. I would. I don't think you'd see any of the same cast. I I really don't. I think they're all done with this stuff. I think if anything, they'd be looking at like Chloe Bennett or Mignot. They'd be looking at being in the MCU, not being in a TV series for it. But there apparently is a lot of interest in it because we've gotten hundreds of likes and dozens of people have responded with their thoughts on it and it's overwhelmingly positive nobody said no nah, i'm done with this i don't want to see anything anymore like you might see over on the cw arrowverse when you have another spinoff you know it's like ah, i don't know if i want to watch this here it's like yeah give me more so for that marvel let's see what you got i want to say like oh i'm not done with this universe technically we're not we have so much mcu stuff but uh, again seeing the people which, like you said, if they did an Agents of Sword show, we're probably not going to see. A lot of people were live tweeting along with us, linked to their own live tweets. We had so many responses, so I'm not, you know, doing all of them or anything, but it made me so happy to see everybody. And unless we actually get together a watch through for any future things like set a time and a date for us to do things. There's not going to be another show that we do live. Like I said, it's all moving to streaming. So there will not be a live broadcast of anything that we watch in the future. I don't know that for sure. I'm just guessing. I think it's a good guess. Yeah. If you'd like to, you know, have more live tweets and stuff, let us know. Speaking of, you know, letting us know stuff. First off, we have a voicemail. 844-THE-BUS-1 is still active, by the way, and Black Adam sent us something. Hey, guys, this is consultant Black Adam. Sorry I haven't called in with feedback, but I've been so far behind on podcasts in general and recent events haven't helped. Just wanted to call in on the finale to say to thank you guys for coming along on the journey and um uh, being good people to talk to about the show. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you very much, Black Adam, for sending in that voicemail. Black Adam has been a guest on the show before and a contributor to the spinoff show, now defunct, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition. So thank you very much for sending us that voicemail, Adam. Really appreciate it. 
And we also got an email from our frequent emailer, which we love. Thank you so much. 084. It was a short email, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Long story short, I loved, loved, loved it. Big thanks to the showrunners, cast, and crew. And also thank you to SP, Lauren, Haley, and Michelle for covering this show and others. It's a treat knowing I'm not escaping into all of this stuff alone. Until next time. And indeed, until next time, because we aren't going anywhere. Nope. And if you have some feedback that you want to get to us about the season finale or our reactions to the series finale, please go ahead and get that into us. You can use our voicemail line, still up, 844-THE-BUS-1, or you can email me, Stargate Pioneer, at gunnageek.com. You can send us a tweet, but it, those are probably the best two ways is to send us a voicemail or email me directly. So I think it's time for us to pull a Colson and hop into Lola Mark II. We'll call her Lola Mark II and get on out of here. But before we do, I want to know who's driving. It's not me. Who's driving the Lola? Dibs. Fair. Okay. Haley can drive. Okay. Here we go, okay. Haley. Thank you to all of our listeners over the past seven years, everybody that's downloaded the show, everybody that's watched us on YouTube. Thank you very much. We've had F. Smittick in our chat tonight. That was awesome to have a chat back and forth during our live chat. And F. Smittick's been around before. So just want to say thank you specifically to F. Smittick and everybody else that has come into our live chat as we record. I know it's kind of late on Thursday night, at least on the East Coast time now. So thank you very much. You guys have been made the show great because we do it for you. We don't do it for us. And uh, we'll still keep on going. So if you want to hear us talk about the future of Marvel, the movies, the the streaming on Disney Plus, and as we close out the Netflix movies and, and maybe Hellstrom, we'll talk about that, that uh, we really thank you for being a part of the show. So thank you very much. Thank you to everyone who's gotten a hold of us throughout all of this um whatever medium you do it on uh, i'm going to focus on twitter right now because i loved doing the live tweets i'm going to miss doing them seeing everybody's reaction was wonderful and i really want you to know that it makes all of our day when we see all just enjoying everything so thank you thank you so much for all these years uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that's listened with us as we discuss the show all the way to the end, starting from almost the beginning. It's been such a great experience to enjoy this show, to enjoy it with every listener out there. Um, even if you haven't contributed uh, any feedback of any kind, like we know you're there and we know you appreciate it. And we hear you yelling at your iPod. So thank you. We hear you because we do it too. And I just want to say a special thank you to Kier and his lovely wife for sending me this agents of shield shirt. This will be the last time I wear it on the podcast because well, the show's not going to be around anymore. And uh, this will be the last time that director SP is here. Uh, producer SP will be here in the future. Y'all can still be agents, but producer SP will be taking over for director SP as we go forward. And uh, still love my box, my fury box, my toolbox. I would like to thank uh, not only everyone for listening, but also for you three. I started off as a consultant who came on 
every once in a while. And then eventually you invited me to become an agent. And so I would like to thank you for doing that. And for all of the listeners, um, accepting me as the new agent. I appreciate it. And it wouldn't be the series finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if I did not thank the creator of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which sadly was not me. It wasn't anybody that's currently on the show. It was Wing. So thank you very much, Wing, for starting and creating the show. And I hope we have done it justice ever since we took over midway through season one. Until next time, I'm, for the last time, Director SP. I'm Agent Halen. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next week when we're talking Luke Cage. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. All right. Hello. Hey. How are you? Okay. Hair looks good from what I can see. Oh, here. Let me take off. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Mom's going to help clean up the back. Okay. But yeah, I just got tired of all the hair. <laughs> right. And um, the cases in my area are spiking too much. I just can't. Right. And with mom going back to work, got to be really careful. Did she go back today or? She went back earlier this week. Okay. Saturday. She went back Saturday. Good. Yeah. Except for students not wearing masks. Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you the horror story about my daughter's move in last week. Yep. Hello. Hi. Uh, I felt keep... fancy, so I put on lipstick. Ah, there you go. Yeah. And wearing my shield shirt. Oh. Yeah, me too. You have it because of? Yeah, I think okay. so. This will be the last time I wear this. Kind of old. <laughs> oh. Mm. Yep. Cut out the shield part, frame it. It's embroidered, which is yeah. really cool, but the bottom has been slowly curling up so yeah like i said cut it out frame it press it flat yeah i'd probably have to do that okay so Haley says she's joining us correct yeah she was just a little late because she was uh, just left work a while ago oh, there, there she is hey hey yeah we could thank everybody that has gotten back to us from the um tweet about agents of sword yeah that was a big hit Oh, I didn't see. What were the poll results for? Is New Mutants coming out in the theater? Yeah, I thought. I didn't see the results. The poll should have ended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scrolling back just to find the post with the... Um, wow.
Okay, so there's 21 minutes left, but with 13 votes, 76.9% said Thanos. <laughs> Excellent. I'll copy a link and I will put it in the doc. Twitter. Yes. No. Thanos. <laughs> I was. Tr- I accidentally hit a third option, and while I was desperately trying to figure out something funny, I just typed Thanos. I thought you were making a pun on, on the Baltar polls that we used to do for GWC. Oh, I forgot about those. So I thought you did that intentionally. Hmm. So Maybe it was subconscious. Thanos is the new Baltar. <laughs> Coming soon from Netflix. <laughs> Disney Plus, whatever. Pike has decided that he wants in. Despite the fact that he's a little who kicked me in the face last night. Aww. How's he doing? Disagreeable. We took him to the vet on Sunday because he was due for some shots. And we also wanted to bring up his behavior. We're pretty sure he's just very, he's either anxious or he has hyperesthesia. So we're trying, right? We stopped using fell away because after Tonks died, we were like, well, Tonks needed to keep him from peeing like absolutely everywhere. And Pike doesn't have inappropriate peeing problems. Oh my God. He just attacked my arm. Is Pike missing Tonks? I, maybe. I don't know, but he's always been really high strung. So we're trying him on Fellaway to see if that helps him. And if not, we're going to try him on Prozac. Because he's, he calms down when he's in his thunder shirt, but we can't keep him in that all day. Bring the thunder. Please stop attacking my arm. Yeah, our little dog is starting to miss Coco. Mm. I'm hoping after I have surgery, whenever that is, the doctor still hasn't called me back despite me leaving a message. I'm hoping maybe we could, we're going to adopt a dog. Hmm. I, I, miss, I really miss having a dog. I love cats, but I really, really miss having a dog. Mike, do you want to say hi to everyone or are you going to leave? Oh, here he is. Oh, hi. Oh, oh, wow. Hi, buddy. Eyes are wide open. He has incredibly round eyes. Like he always looks like he's on the verge of starting trouble. And usually he is. (laughs) But for whatever reason, his eyes are just huge all the time. Anyone else excited for this week to be over? Just me? Yeah, I had to go to work all week, which, yay, but, um, yep, I've been back in the office all week. I'm going to be off tomorrow because I got to take care of a few things. We had to buy a new car. Mm. Yay, new car, boo expense. Yeah. During the move last weekend, one of our cars, air conditioning went out. Mm. Car's worth about $4,000. It's a 2009 Toyota Camry. And it's worth about $4,000. So if you consider the cost to repair an air conditioning unit, which is about $3,000 versus how long you're going to keep the car, just made sense to get something new versus 
pour money into a car with 175,000 miles on it that might last another year or two? I think that's about where we're at with mine. The AC has been ever since something bounced off the road and punctured the tank Oh, years ago. Yeah, ever since then, just sometimes it won't kick in. Between that, the weather stripping that's just, I need to either replace it or something. But, I mean, I don't go many places, so it's not a huge priority right now. But, yeah, we're at about that stage. So we had to kind of do an emergency. This is the cars that are available. So a few months ago, the used car market was awesome. Mm -hmm. But now since people are keeping their cars, used car values, new used cars, so like one to three years old, the value shot up $4,000 from the prices it was six months ago. Mm. So we were able to find one that still had the price on it pre-price jump. And even though it wasn't like a perfect match, it's the one that was a match for us for right now. And it turns out it's the exact same car my daughter has. Hmm. Same year, same color, same model, same everything. So I now own two of the same maroon Hyundai Tucsons. <laughs> nice. I had a Hyundai Tucson until I got the Jeep. Oh, I didn't know that's what you had before that. Yep, black Hyundai Tucson. <clears throat> the most basic model, no cruise control, no Bluetooth. Oh, this was the level up from that. So we have CarPlay in it. There's backup camera. The engine's a dog, but and it doesn't get the best gas mileage. So overall, it's like not my best choice, but for the price, it's really good. So that's what we got. I wanted a truck. I was just like a few months away from possibly being able to afford a truck <sighs> well hi Haley. hey how's it going good how are things things are good stayed up late watching the episodes last night <sighs> then couldn't get to sleep because i was so pumped then i'd go into work early this morning because i had a meeting one of the people we were grooming to be a project lead decided he didn't want to be a project lead so mm. Is he I kind of got to take over. Yeah, he's still like he still wants to do the job he was doing before, which is fine because he's good at that. But he just kind of quit responding to emails about a week ago, uh, two weeks ago now. So yeah, that was a nice mess that I got to clean up today. Getting yelled at by clients for something somebody else did. It's like I'm just fixing it. I didn't make the mess. Oh man, and they don't care. Yeah. Wait, that wasn't actually, um, what's her name is Rachel Hand? As Victoria Hand? Nope. Replacement actress. Wow. Okay. Looks a lot like her. Holy Okay. We've actually covered her before because she played a vermilion in Legion. Oh. Yeah. You take a look at her IMDb. Huh. She doesn't have a lot of credits, but yeah. Yeah. This is new with the whole, you're not going to be director SP anymore. Yeah. There's still a shield. Yeah, but I don't think we'll be talking about it anymore. I think shield has gone from the MCU and with the show ending, I just don't see it coming back. Maybe. Someday. No, but I mean, in the universe, there's still a shield. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. 
So, okay. So if you're not going to be director SP anymore. Okay. So there's the person who's writing the show notes. Um, <laughs> well, producer, I'm, I, I'll, I, I'll uh, go to the end and I'll be producer SP. Okay. So are we still ladies? Are we still agents or do we want to just, no, I'm talking to the ladies. Okay. Um, do we just want to be Michelle, Lauren and Haley, or do we still want to be agents? It's going to be weird not saying agent. Plus, we still have S.H.I.E.L.D. in the podcast name, so I'm good with being agent. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Okay. At first, I was thinking, let's just do, like, ridiculously weird titles, but... Then we'd have to be creative. I know I'm just going to keep saying agent by habit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. This is new with the whole, you're not going to be Director SP anymore. Yeah. There's still a S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but I don't think we'll be talking about it anymore. I think S.H.I.E.L.D. has gone from the MCU and with the show ending, I just don't see it coming back. Maybe No, but I mean, in the universe, there's still a S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yep. So, okay, so if you're not going to be Director SP anymore, okay, so there's the person who's writing the show notes. Um, (laughs) Oh, producer, I'll I'll, uh, go to the end, and I'll be Producer SP. Okay, so are we still ladies? Are we still agents, or do we want to just... No, I'm talking to the ladies. Okay. Um, Do we just want to be Michelle, Lauren, and Haley, or do we still want to be agents? It's going to be weird not saying agent. Plus, we still have S.H.I.E.L.D. in the podcast name, so I'm good with being agent. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Okay. At first, I was thinking, let's just do like ridiculously weird titles, but then we'd have to be creative. I know I'm just going to keep saying agent by habit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, did Scott open your door or did your little cutty buddy? It, Pike kept, if he doesn't see you, mm-hmm. he is a nightmare. All right. So, did he open the door? Because the door. I didn't see your hand over there. I think the door opened on its own. At one point, he probably did. Okay. Um, I had it just a little bit open so he could, so that hopefully he would stop doing the. Yeah. Oh, underneath the door? Does he do that? Yeah. He'll reach that's, under. That's and, cool. Oh, yeah. I've had a cat for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. Which baby is that? This is Asami. Oh, good. Oh. Asami Tsunami, because she tears everything up. Oh, <laughs> that's a kitten. Is she the new one? I mean, she's not that new anymore. I got her in, well, like, right around Halloween last year. Yeah. Oh, She's still the new kid on the block. Yep, new to me. Yeah. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.